this episode, you meet Drew Natale, a 1992 grad from uh, Yonkers, New York, who, like me, survived an academic board while at the academy. He was also in the cadet choir and became famous uh, as, within the wing as Captain Air Force when he uh, took over the reins from the guy who had it prior. He'll tell you the story about what that's all about because it was not something that happened when I was a cadet. Um, he, uh, let's see, left the Air Force as a captain and was a navigator for, for nine years uh, and is now currently an HR uh, administrator for a New York law firm, which apparently is very ironic. <laughs> He'll get into that a little bit, but uh, this guy's got a great personality and I really enjoyed meeting him. True. John. Now I don't hear you at all. Are you serious? No, Come not okay. You just you just came back. You just came back. Okay. <laughs> I turned off my Wi-Fi and, and it did a cycle thing. Well, this but is what happens when you get like what, thirty. Yeah, you get like you know thirty plus years removed. You know, t- trying to handle technology. I mean, you know, it's. <laughs> well, I thought you were gonna say thirty. I've done thirty of these recordings and I'm still screwing them up. <laughs> Well, you know, the 31st time's a charm, I guess, yeah. is that? Yeah, there we go. We'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> so one of the, I always ask with a start off question, and that is what message do you have for the incoming class, the current cadets, the recent grads, and then the old goats like me? Okay, so for the incoming class, the message that I have for them is, the simple message that basic training is not what your first year is going to be. Your first year is not what the academy life is going to be. And the academy life is not what the air force is going to be. Meaning that it does get easier as you go on. You just need to stick it out. Um, For the current grads, I am honored to be part of the group. And I realize as I've gone, you know, further and further from my graduation, uh, I start appreciating more and more those times that I had and the people that I have in my class that are still around. Uh, and for um, members like yourself from generations before, uh, as we've gotten, you know, as I've gotten further and further on and I see all the plaques on the wall, all the class crests on the wall get more and more, it makes me appreciate and really um I'm really honored to be part of that line and the legacy that, that you all have that started um, from the class of 59 and 60 when it was just a, just starting out and nobody had any idea what it was going to be like. And then as it went further and further on, um, it's just, you know, I, 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 I'm still learning from classes like class of 82 is going to have our reunion with us. And so I've talked to a couple of people there and it's very interesting to hear their stories uh, as well, because it was a different time. And I, like I said, I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm just very grateful to to be a part of this. Um, I think, I think one thing that you're pointing out that's really cool that my class may not realize is it's now the Air Force Academy. It's no longer the air arm of the West Point experience. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes, we're. I mean, we're always going to be the little brother, but uh, you know, I, uh, you know, little brothers sometimes get back at their big brothers, and uh, I think of that no more, no more than every year during football season when we play the ground pounders yeah. and uh, love beat, love beating up on them. Doesn't make a difference what happens the rest of the season as long as we, uh, <laughs> as long as we take care of them, then we're good. <laughs> and and you're pretty close to those guys. You're right down the street from them, right? 
I am. I actually every and this is this is the uh, the an even year. So um, so the Falcons are going to be playing up at uh, Mikey Stadium. No, they uh, in November. Going back to Texas. Oh, they're going back to Texas. They're not coming up to Mikey. Ah, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always would get. I would always tell the people around here. I was. I was like, you know, I'll, as soon as the schedule comes out, I call the AOG. I get online. I get. I get at least four tickets. And I always tell everybody, I say, I'm, I said, I'm just going to warn you right now. I said, I'm a lunatic when I go to those games. I said, <laughs> it's, and, and, and I get there at like eight 30 in the morning, the game doesn't start till noon or whatever and make a day of it. And so I warn them in advance. And, and I also tell them, I said, it doesn't make a difference what the weather is. Like I said, it could be rain, snowing, blowing, whatever. I said, I'm going. So um, you can back out at the last minute. I don't care. But once you're in the car with me, (laughs) you're going and we're staying until the fourth quarter. We're staying until the alma mater is sung. And then we're, I said, that's it. I said, you know, and, uh, and I've had a couple of brave souls that have gone with me throughout the years. Um, But yeah, if they're going back to Texas, well, I guess I'll just have to find a way to get down there i guess just a little bit farther drive that's all it is a little bit farther drive yeah you know or i'll just i'll grab one of my classmates that's flying for the various airlines and say you know hey give me one of your buddy passes which is uh, kind of the biggest oxymoron going um because <laughs> as they all say they wouldn't give it to their buddies they wouldn't give it to their worst enemies but uh <laughs> anyway where there's a will there's a way <laughs> so i'm real curious what uh, because uh I, I go through a different flow when I'm doing these interviews, but I think it's also important to let everybody know what was the, the world like when you were a dually and, and a cadet. When I was a dually, so I was, I, I came in in 1988. So it was the end of the eighties. The still like the cold war was still going on and mother Russia was the big, you know, big guy on the block. And that was what we were really training and all of our focus was on and all the Jody's that we would sing when we were jogging or marching was about, you know, about, uh, you know, going up against the MIGs and going up against the bombers and, and all the other stuff like that. Um, one of the things that I did remember reading is that that year, uh, that I got accepted, the three service academies were the toughest schools to get into in the country by the amount of applicants that they had versus the amount of, um, of people that they accepted. And mm-hmm. I think it was, I think it was West Point Air Force and Annapolis in that order. I think West Point had like 56,000 and they took 1500 and we had like 55,000. It was, it was something ridiculous. So I really felt when I saw that, I really felt, uh, like I'd actually accomplished something. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, and the other, I always remember like the computer that we had was, um, we were excited because we had actually three and a half inch discs, <laughs> not the five and a quarter inch discs. Um, and we had two drives, you know, we had two drives that could do that. And, and I remember like how, how the upperclassmen were envious of us, but then four years later, when we were walking out the door, we were envious of the freshmen because they had they didn't have any discs anymore. They had a 40 megabyte, not gigabyte, a 40 megabyte hard drive on their computer that they could store all the information. They didn't have all these discs that they needed to take out. So hey, Drew, that you, was, want, you want some comparison? I would love some. Yes. <laughs> we, we were the last class to get slide rules. Oh, 
Oh my God! Okay, all right. Um, we we did our computer comp side was a shoebox full of uh, punch cards that you would take to the core <laughs> over at Fairchild Hall and have them run it and pray to God on your way over there that you didn't trip and dump it in the snow and screw them all up. Shoot, right, exactly. They get wet and they would be like, "Oh my God!" Okay, well, mm-hmm. so, well, there you have it. I mean, yeah. I, I, <laughs> okay. The I will, I, going on there, <laughs> right exactly and now they have laptops that are like uh, even you know whatever i mean oh, but it's uh they're all doing smartphones uh, now <laughs> true exactly <laughs> right forget the forget the laptops we'll just yeah. go with the phones it's even better <laughs> oh my god um but yeah that was that was that was kind of what, how it was uh, the environment was going around there um so, so basically in your four years the uh, soviet union collapsed saddam invaded kuwait and we won a war Right. Exactly. Yes. And we did, we did all of that. And then I remember in our senior year because, and I actually remember when, when Iraq invaded Kuwait because we were just getting done with Jack's Valley Mm. and um, we were buttoning up and everything like that. And there was scuttlebutt going around again, pre-internet, pre-whatever. And it was like, you know, we didn't have any communication real out there, but the, the scuttle was going around that Iraq had invaded Kuwait and that we didn't know what was really going on, but everybody at that point was starting to feel like, um, you know, everybody's starting to feel like, okay, well, what's going on? You know, what, what's going to happen to us? Like, what's this going to mean for us? And then after the war was over, we had, so then after the war was over, then they had the big drawdown because obviously we did such a great job. It's like, well, we don't need this many people in the military anymore. So we're going to start drawing down. So our class, and this is my first exposure to, the large print giveth and the fine print taketh away. The, the large print was that uh, the chief of staff of the Air Force came out and said that just because all the drawdowns are happening does not mean that the class of 92 is going to be affected flight training wise. And he stood up in front of us and said, everybody in this class will go to flight training. And we all applauded. And then two months later, the commandant uh, came back from a briefing in Washington and he started off by saying what the general said was technically right, but here's the details of it. (laughs) And the details of it was that there were going to be people that were going to have to wait as long as three years after they graduated to go to pilot training. Yeah. And I didn't have a good enough vision to go to pilot training. I was going to be a navigator and I was watching the slides and they said, no, and they said nothing about navigator training. So I thought I was okay. Well, the general was a fire, you know, the four star was a fire fighter pilot and he had no use for navigators. And so the um, commandant threw one slide up here and basically it showed zero navs this year, zero navs the next year, and then like 20 the, the year following. They cut out the flight school completely. So that was like, all right, so there went my career plans for the moment. So I ended up going into missiles until the flight school opened up again. And then I ended up going to navigator training but yeah so there was a lot going on in the four years that we were that we were there so yeah um going from being preparing for a big war to um preparing for a you know we don't know what to do next (laughs) the the other that i was going to try to migrate into your your background growing up i did want to toss in one comment that is i had a similar situation with vietnam ending and uh, they took away my pilot waiver and said that I was going to missiles. Oh, really? And I went from, you know, going to be a flyer to, and this was after my junior year started. 
So I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm not doing this whole four years of this stuff just to go sit in a hole in the ground. So I, I asked around campus what, what I could do to get into a flying billet and the army had no room for me. The Marines said I could go to Quantico, shave my head and they let me go to nav school after six months of Quantico. And the Navy said I could do the same thing as the Marines only instead of six months at Quantico, I just go down to Pensacola and chase girls on the beach. And I go, well, that's the answer. (laughs) (laughs) So I did the service transfer. That's how I ended up in the Navy. Okay. (laughs) But I, I wanted to, so I know you're from, you live in the, the New York City area now. Is that where you grew up? Yeah. I, so I was uh, born and raised in Yonkers, um, which is just north of the city. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so, and then 88, I left uh, to, you know, for the academy. And then I did my, so I went there for four years. And, um, uh, and then I, you know, I did I did missiles for a couple of years, flight training for one year, and then six years on the on the on the rivet joint up in uh, Omaha, huh. and um, and then I decided that I just wanted to you know I uh, wanted to get out. I wanted to be you know wanted to be more stable with my family and everything like that. So I got out in June of uh, two thousand one, right before the attacks, and uh, I remember you know my my mother was looking at me saying you know well, aren't you feeling glad and feeling safer now that you're not overseas. And I said, and quite honestly, mom, I said, I really feel, I think it was a little bit more safer when we were overseas because we were looking for it. Not, not very many people were looking for yeah. an attack here. And, um, you know, I didn't know that I was going to be thinking about that, but, uh, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was kind of. There he is. He's there back. He is. He's back. <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that. I don't know what's going on. I think, and actually, this is better here. So maybe we just had a bad connection the first hand. So yeah. Uh, anyway, you, I was gonna I was gonna stop you right there because that that gets into the, the latter half of our chat. Um, and ask you why did you go to Air Force in the first place? <laughs> I went to okay. I went to Air Force because um, I probably like a lot of kids. Uh, I, I wanted to be an astronaut. I was down with my father, um, on, uh, in, in Florida during, in 1975 on the beach in Daytona. And we looked South and I remember watching the Apollo Soyuz rocket going up. And my father was explaining to me that there were men up there that were on the rocket. And I said, well, that's pretty cool. And I kind of just followed that. And, uh, and then I just, <clears throat> when I, you know, I, and I always, wanted to, you know, I always wanted to, to fly there. And then when we got into sixth grade, people started asking about future plans and everything like that. And I have a couple of people even say, like talked about college. And so then I said, well, I wonder how you need to be an astronaut. And so I started backing up everything. I said, astronauts, most astronauts are test pilots and test pilots are pilots, obviously, and pilots go to the academy. And, and so I backed up everything of what I needed to do to get to, to try and attain that goal of being an astronaut. And so in sixth grade, I decided that that's when I wanted to go to the academy. Cool. And um, I worked every day of my life uh, ever since uh, ever since then to to get in there. So extracurriculars, you name it. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's that's really what kind of motivated me to get there. And then I got into the academy, and I had lousy study habits. I you know I didn't have any good study habits in high school, and that really didn't do me any favors when I got to, uh, when I got to the Academy. So, uh, I struggled academically. And then at that point, I kind of just lost the, you know, I, I just didn't have the the brains or whatever to go ahead and, and, and continue on that way. So 
I wouldn't I wouldn't use the phrase brains because I have similar situation. I think it's the credentials. I probably yeah. I'm finding you're right. I'm finding that out now. It's like there's still some things that I can that I'm I'm finding out now. Now that I know how to learn, um, or how to how I learn. Uh, yeah. If I had that when I was back there, it would have been a completely different path for me. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's you're never too old to 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 learn something new or to to reinvent yourself. So but, so uh, so dually year must have been fun. Uh, dually year was not really fun. Um, dually <laughs> year was um, dually year was a very big struggle. Actually, <laughs> I was one of the few people because my uh, my AOC kept me from going back for Thanksgiving break because really? my grades were so bad. Oh yeah. He decided that it was, and, and, and really it was like an, it was a no lose situation for him because if I, and, and, and there was nothing that I really could do. I was like, I said, well, I'll show him I'll fail. And I'm just like, <laughs> well, that's really not helping your own cause. Uh, so, um, but uh, yeah, even to this day, um, my, and uh you know my father you know until the day he died if i ever told him mentioned the name of my uh my freshman year aoc he he had he had some very choice words for him and they um it rhymed with fire truck let's just put it that way and he never uh <laughs> never never deviated from that because hey, he was italian and, and he wanted to see his son and he didn't like the idea that uh somebody was keeping me away from him so i'm surprised he could pull that off Oh yeah. Yeah. He just, he denied my leave. It was, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I had to, you know, call my family and just tell them I can't come home. They're not letting me come home because my grades are so bad. And, and I, you know, and I squeaked out, I didn't end up on academic probation at the end of my first semester. Um, but you know, the other seven were pretty much, you know, uh, I was pretty much always on. So, <laughs> so were you, were you ever in the squares club? Ah, uh, the squares club. Uh, I'm not sure what that's, that is. That's where you could square your GPA and it'd go down. Ah, <laughs> uh, below below a one. <laughs> I th no, I wasn't. I wasn't quite there. I mean, I did go to an academic review board at the end of my sophomore okay. year. Okay, I, I had yeah. yeah, yeah, and I remember, and and it was really interesting because I actually. I actually figured out and cracked the code about how to get through an academic review board and ended up helping five other um, people to get through it. And uh, I don't know if it's a claim to fame, but yeah, I guess anybody here listening to that, if you're, if you're struggling academically and you're going to a review board, um, yeah, just, you know, find out, get a hold of me and I'll help you. I'll help you navigate through it. I won't give away all my secrets, but uh, there, there is a tried and true method to, to, to navigating that. So <laughs> I only went to one and I, and I made that they told me to change majors and do an infinite number of wackies and I'll, and they'll let me get a D in the class I was failing. Well, <laughs> and they'll let you get a D. Well, that was yeah. pretty nice. Yeah. Right. I, I, I started off, I started off very philosophically by looking at the board and just saying, I hear all these people talk about the great, uh, the great um, things that come from being an Academy graduate. But the one thing that is common in all the stories is that you have to graduate from the academy in order <laughs> to get there. Yeah. So they started to laugh a little bit at that. I said, so my plan here is focused on doing everything that I can do in order to become a graduate in two years. And it was like, and then I went through all the details and everything like that. And, and at the, at the end, and, and I was the second one to go. So there was a girl that went in front of me 
And she comes out crying hysterical. And I'm just like, okay, well, this just validates everything that everybody said about these boards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I go in and I give my pitch and it's the end. And I sit down and, and I was in choir at the time. And one of the uh, board members said, well, how much time do you give for choir? Cause I said, I was going to give it up. And I said, well, I give a, I said, give about, you know, and it's about two hours a week, one hour on Sundays and an hour for, you know, rehearsals during the week. And then another person asked me, well, what do you want to do after you graduate? And I thought that was a real interesting question. I'm just like, you guys are on the verge of kicking me out. And you want to know what I'm doing after graduating? I'm like, I'd said, <laughs> I said well, I, <laughs> well, I was, I was very straightforward. I said, I wanted to, I said, I wanted to become a navigator because I didn't have the vision to be a pilot. And that's really what I want to do. I said, but other than that, honestly, I hadn't given much more thought given the current circumstances. And the Colonel at the end said, does anybody else have any questions? And I'm just like, are you serious? This is all I'm getting are these two questions. And I will never forget what he said. He looked me straight in the eye from the other end of the table. He goes, well, as far as giving up the choir, I really don't think you should do that. I mean, you can't just be studying all the time now, can you? And I am just, I'm just blown away. I'm just like, you five people just sent some girl crying in hysterics out here. And I feel like this is like, you know, let's have a drink and, you know, whatever, you knucklehead, get out of here. You're fine, you know, and. And they voted unanimously to keep me. And uh, I was, and that was, that was the end that I never saw another review board. I spent, I, I bounced off off and on act pro until I graduated. But, um, but yeah, it was just a really surreal experience given what I just saw, you know, not even 10 minutes earlier. That's so, right. No, I, yeah. I, I, like you, I was on the, what they had 16 grading periods. Okay. I think, I think I was on act pro seven of the 16 grading periods. Okay, I think I think I spent one and a half semesters probably of the of the time that I was there that I wasn't on academic probation. So mine was so. three. I was three and a half semesters on Ad Pro. Okay, no, all no, right. One, well, so seven, whatever. Yeah, the, you had midterms right. and, and finals. So yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Basically, <laughs> I I skated by, and it wasn't from lack of effort, but it towards the end when I knew there was just no, no chance of improving. I said, okay, forget it. We're going yep, for right. a Going for a <laughs> yeah, and two oh and go. Deal where we, where everybody got a buck, uh, everybody <laughs> dollar into the, this bucket at the end of the uh, graduation ceremony. So Taylor and Charlie could carry a bucket of money out. And I just told my, my peers and my squire rate me last and tell, tell the guys, do you want me to get the money? It's because you always have the rates. Yeah, I don't know. Right. That. Yeah. So I should say save save one of the bullets for me and just say we want them to get the money. <laughs> I ended up 13th on the bottom. I didn't quite hit the bottom, but it was pretty. Yeah. I have to verify it. I because I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that I was tail end Charlie. I because I only looked at my transcript when it came out six months later when it got mailed to me and then I threw it in my footlocker. <laughs> But I, I remember we were like when, cause I was in missile training all the, and we all stood around just like, okay, we got this letter from the Academy and we're just like, okay, well, what does this mean? What does this mean? <laughs> we're looking at all these numbers and I look in the bottom left and I was like, both of the numbers in the bottom left were the same for me, separated by a hyphen. And I was like, I want, and so somebody figured it out, like that was the order of merit. Oh wow! And I, so I was, so I'm looking at that thinking and I've never gone back to obviously because it just wasn't you know, thinking about other things, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I probably should do that before I go to the reunion, but yeah, we didn't get any, we didn't get any money. The rumor that was told to me was that everybody, cause 
I don't know how it was for you, but but it's but I think what people were doing or what what cadets were doing is that they started <laughs> they started throwing the exams towards the end to try and get to that magical 2.0 to be the tail end Charlie so they can get the pot of, of money. And because we, and I'm going to throw myself in that group, weren't the brightest to begin with, we didn't have the ability to say, I'm going to get exactly 58% yeah. on this final exam. Yeah, no <laughs> way, get, man. I was, right. I was fighting till the end. <laughs> exactly. So what these people, so what these cadets were doing is that they were, they were throwing the exam and they were throwing them a little too much and then they'd have to graduate late. And so they had about 25 or 30 people that were graduating late. In comes the new dean to try and figure out why all these cadets are consistently graduating late. And somebody had mentioned to him on the cadet staff is like, well, obviously, sir, you don't know about the vet because he wasn't an academy grad. Yeah. And what I was told is that he got rid of that. He said, no, we're not doing this with, you know, we're not having 30 people graduate every year. So we're just going to cancel it. And after I graduated, he was replaced with another Dean who was an Academy graduate. And the, one of the first things that he jokingly asked is, so how's the bet going? Because he knew about the story about tail and Charlie and getting it. So I, I so I, I want to say that the class of 91 had it, the class of 93 had it, but my class and me, you know, just, I don't know what happened to all the money. Yeah. They, um, don't, they but, don't do that now. I don't think it's all, uh, alphabetical by squadron i think so yeah so anyway um but you know again just more 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 rumors for the for the legend that is that is me i guess <laughs> well I'll never, I'll never forget walking by the guy with the big bucket and i'm thinking to myself i i should have had that <laughs> yeah right yeah, it's like that's mine that's mine damn it <laughs> I, actually, I actually complained to an econ professor who gave me a c when i thought i'd earned a d which would have gotten me the uh, the money. It wouldn't have flunked me out, but it would have gotten me the money. And, and he said, look, was, he, he'd given me a D two years prior when I was desperately needing a C to stay off of Act Pro. And he was so proud of me for sticking it out. He gave me his instructor points. And what he didn't know was back as a sophomore, he, by giving me that D, put me on Act Pro, he kicked me off of the cheerleader squad, which would have been really fun. Anyway. Jeez. <laughs> God. So I assume you had. Uh, so what was your Dooley squadron and your and your upper class squadron? So Dooley, I was in thirty four, loose hogs, and upper and then uh, sophomore, junior, and senior, it was uh, thirty one, Grim Reapers. So you stayed in the new dorm, as we called it. All the I dorm. yep, the, yep. I was I was team Sijon for all four years. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then did you have any fun stuff? Ah, uh, well, let's see the fun summer stuff. The first for, uh, for ops air force, I think, no, it was, uh, for no, um, not ops air force, but CONUS. Um, I went to George and Edwards. Uh, <laughs> so we split it. <laughs> well, that was, well, and, and I mean, and, and again, you know, me wanting to be the astronaut, it was just like, you know, when I got to Edwards, I was just like, <clears throat> I went to the O club wow. and they had, and they had the, um, well, that was probably the most interesting story there is that we were there and I think like 20 majors that got promoted to lieutenant colonel. So they bought the bar out and <laughs> we were there and it was like, this is again, you know, just a cadet just after his first year and like, and I'm trying to be all nice and polite and everything like that. And, and it was just kind of a surreal experience, you know, seeing the carrier landings happening and, 
you know, seeing, you know, like, you know, the, the, these wives of the majors and the colonels that are just like getting, you know, a little intoxicated and getting a little uh, fr- frisky, you know, with us. I was just like, okay, this is kind of, you know, like this is part of the training, I guess. But um, yeah, still trying to keep my military bearing at the same time. Um, that was probably the most interesting uh, summer experience because of my standing academically I didn't <clears throat> I wasn't going overseas I wasn't doing any of the other any other um like you know, any other uh really great trips and I actually because I was uh, my the summer that I did the review board I basically was um not doing anything except preparing for that for three weeks so that mm-hmm. kind of threw my summer schedule off for the rest of the time I was there I but I would have to say that Edwards and George was probably the best trip that I the best trip that I had yeah so. Did you get to do any flying on the in that deal or that? Um, with and when I was at George, uh, I got in the back seat of uh, an OV ten, and um, and uh, that was fun and and barfed twice, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know that you know that that's a real humility, you know, real humbling experience. You know, you're walking off there and it's like not Tom Cruise with you know you know. <laughs> you know, Harold Faltermeyer playing in the background here, you're walking across, you know, you're white as a sheet and you've got these two puke bags that are full, you know, it's like, there's nothing that takes away your masculinity more than that. Well, hang on. Um, just so you know, when, when I was down at the, I was down at Top Gun when they were making the, uh, the movie and uh, apparently Cruz in his one flight in the F-14, he, he barfed up pretty good. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, that, all right. That wasn't good allowed company. to get out to Hollywood, but yeah, that's what the Navy guys were all telling us that the, 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 oh. that he was not really good in the in the seat <laughs> good well that's uh, that's like you said a very humiliating humbling experience you know yeah. you haven't lived until you're taking you know until you're carrying your own vomit in a hefty bag off of the plane i mean or that's you're, just you're wiping, uh, you're wiping the panel off yeah <laughs> i didn't do that I, yeah i was i was fortunate enough i i knew i felt it was coming on i was able to drop the mask quick enough and then go ahead and just so it was not you know, and, and thank goodness that they have those little twisty ties attached to the bag because that made it just a whole much easier, just like, all right, and put it on the, put it in the side of the pocket. So the other thing I, if I, I just remember the other thing that was going on out there is when we were at Edwards or when we were, uh, I'm sorry, when we were at George, cause it was in the same area, they were building the space shuttle Endeavor at that point. Huh. So we actually got a chance to, um, tour the facility and actually like step into like the shuttle bay of the Endeavor while it was like just basically a skeleton. Um, that was probably, you know, even the more, you know, the more mind blowing uh, experience that, that I've had. So um, I didn't, I, and I just remembered that. Thank you for bringing that memory back. That's a, <laughs> that was a great memory. <laughs> yeah. When you, when you listen to some of my guys talk, we had a, an arrangement with Edwards Air Force Base where we got to go every Thanksgiving to to a debutante ball where they would set us up with girls from the local area and give us parties for four days and, and basically, you know, <laughs> let us have a, have a good time. So I've been to Edwards a bunch. It, it, it's a lot of fun down there. Outstanding. Oh, yeah, totally. Okay. <laughs> um, move, moving right along. So I, I understand your academic awards were sort of like mine, a little wacky sign on the dorm. Um yeah. Do you have any other adventures that, that, as as a cadet? Um, what were some of the other adventures? I mean, other than the other than the spirit missions, I mean, like what? And then again, eventually we're going to like. Well, I mean, I remember. Uh, 
I mean, I remember obviously like, you know, with 40 days to recognition, you go up to Flatiron um, and change the change the bed sheets around to the number for our squadron because we had we had that assigned. Um, I do remember I, I do remember that there was one night where we decided as a class, I forgot what was going on, but that we were going to hang sheets from the chapel wall. And that night it was like. 20 degrees and the wind was blowing and like none of the <laughs> none of the sheets were like it's like we, could, we couldn't just tape the sheets up there because the sheets were blowing off yeah somebody had a and this might be a little bit graphic but somebody had somebody had a water bottle with them and they you know poured the water over the uh you know over the over the sheet onto the the, the marble and it just froze instantly <laughs> and that kept it there and so somebody said i'm gonna go ahead and go back and you know i'll go get some more water and so like there's four or five of us that are standing there and so, and you know, I think you know where this is going, right? You know, somebody says like, this is ridiculous. It's one o'clock in the morning. What are we doing here? And somebody, you know, suggested, you know, that we, you know, use our natural ability to <laughs> go ahead and go ahead and take care of um, what we needed to, instead of having to ferry the water back and forth. What's that, what's that yellow paint? <laughs> well, so, then, so obviously, you know, here comes the, you know, here's the scene of just, you know, everybody, you know, um, you know, you're, giving you're their all yeah. right for the, for the class. And who, you know, somebody has to walk up behind us and go, Hey guys, I got the water. It goes, what are you all doing? And so of course me being the guy that's outspoken, I turned around and said, yeah, we'll be with you in a minute, you know? And it was just, but the funniest thing had to be the next morning <clears throat> going to formation, seeing those banners up there and then seeing the, um, civilians and the tourists that were just leaning on these banners and like having no idea thinking that we just yeah. so create right we're so creative with this yellow paint um so <laughs> yeah that was um yeah i think that was probably one of the more one of one of the better ones they did i mean i, I know eventually we're going to get to the, the the topic of i think the reason why paul had talked to you about it is my my other claim to fame that I did for the four years there, which was the captain air force stint. And I've just got a lot of, so tell, that was probably tell those of us that don't know what that is, what that is. And okay. What, what the germination and all that. Okay. So the Falcon is the official mascot for the Academy. And I'm going to say the unofficial mascot for the cadets, because it really is just something that, that the cadets do is captain air force. Now, freshman year, everybody has, you know, everybody in their squadrons, they have mascots. So, and, and you know, freshmen, you know, the upperclassmen always encourage a freshman to, uh, at least when I was there, <clears throat> they encouraged a different freshman to dress up for the home football game so that we had a whole bunch of people that were, you know, all, you know, people that were there representing their squadrons. So me being, we were in the loose hogs. And I, like I said, I wanted to go to the academy since I was sixth grade. I was blue all the way through. I was so happy to be there every day, even when it sucked, that I was just like, I'll go ahead and do it. So I got a bright red sweatshirt, bright red pants, you know, sweatpants, red Converse sneakers. And I even had a nose <clears throat> that had like um, removable uh, latex glue that I would put on my nose and I would wear it to the home football games. And I was the only one that was consistently there. Like nobody in my squadron was like, oh, Andrew will do it. You know, he'll go ahead and do it. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, I, just, I said, because I, I, I was looking at everyone in the stands. I'm just like, you guys are standing up there just watching the game. And just like, I want to move around. I want to be, you know, I want to do something here. Yeah. And so I loved it so much. And there was, an, and there was a class of 89 
um, cadet who was <clears throat> Captain Air Force. And I would see him at all the home football games because he would get dressed up and he would, he would do this. And uh, so at the end of you know, my, my freshman year, I'll never, for, I'll never forget. And I talked with him and I apologize if he's listening. I don't remember his name. Um, because I like, I barely, like I barely knew him. I just saw him at the games and it was, and that was it. But I'm sitting in Mitchell hall one night and it's a Saturday night and there's some upperclassmen from his squadron there. And they recognized me for some reason. And they said, uh, so you're taking over captain air force. And I said, <laughs> uh, sir, I don't know what you mean. And he goes, you mean, and I'm going to say Steven. He said, you mean Steven hasn't talked to you yet? I said, no, sir. And he goes, oh, and he goes back to eating. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, now how do I do this as a freshman? I have to go over to, and this is a big thing. It's just like, okay, and I need to go over to his squadron. And I'm, you know, walking, you know, the freshman squaring corners, you know, walking what, through another what squadron. What are you doing college. wandering around Mitchell Halls? <laughs> no, no what, are you, what, what are you doing walking around 21? Like, you know, what are you doing? It's like, you know, I got the big 34 patch on are my shield. You know, <laughs> right, exactly. I was just like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I mean, this is how much I love this place. So I knocked on his door and he comes and he's like, oh, hey, how are you doing? And he's like, and he gives me the suit and he tells me the whole story about like how to do it and everything like that. And, uh, and that was basically how I, <clears throat> how I inherited the, the Captain Air Force bit. Cool. And from that point, it just, and from that point, it was just, it was just like, you know, funny stories, you know, from, from, from that point on, basically every home football game, I was running around on the sidelines with uh, this, it was basically a blue one piece and it zipped up in the back and it had, and, and it had a big silver AF on the front and it had a silver cape with blue AF on the back. And then I would have, we had boxer shorts made up for, you know, either sink Navy or kick army's ass. And all the boxer shorts had feel the thunder written on the front and then either kick army's ass or sink Navy on the back. So depending on what game was coming up next in the list, that was instead of having the nice little like Superman, you know, speedo, I had these boxer shorts on and I would just run up and down the sidelines and I would just, you know, and just, just create all kinds of fun for everybody. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's basically what I did. That's uh, so it yeah, sounds like you, it never, was, um, you never had a thought of quitting. I never had a thought of quitting. I never did. I, I, I never did. My father was always, and my, my, my father and my mother were always like, you know, you can quit anytime, you can quit anytime. And I just, I, I just, it just wasn't in me. I just, I, I didn't want to, I, I like I said, they, they literally were going to have to drag me out of that place. Yeah. Um, I can, I loved it so much. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you listening, you think, oh gosh, the guy's having, having fun doing the captain air force thing and he's eating crap academically and he's losing his pilot qual and going to go to missile. I can tell from the same fundamental perspective is I was doing so poorly I figured they'd kick me out so I'm not gonna I'm they're gonna have to kick me out before I'll quit I'm not, not gonna yeah. give it give it back to them and say it was too hard I'm just gonna gut it out oh yeah no not especially especially working six years for it you yeah. know that was the other thing too it was just like I I'm, I'm not I said I'm not give I'm not giving up for this I said I'm just you know I, and especially after after I got over that academic review board and I figured and I kind of cracked the code and figured out what I needed to graduate then it became a little bit easier. I'm not going to say it was ever easy. Yeah. I mean, and I was sweating bullets all the way up until the day of graduation. Um, but I just, yeah, there was just no way that I was going to be, that I was going to be walking out of there unless I was walking across the stage. 
That so was when, it. when you walked across and you got your diploma, you went off to Whiteman. Yeah. Yeah. So What's that went like? to Whiteman. <laughs> well, so again, given the theme of, you know, we're drawing down everything. So I went to Whiteman and, um, you know, anytime that, you know, in the Air Force where they say, you know, mention the base and they say, oh, it's a great place to hunt and fish. Well, you kind of know what you're getting, you know, because <laughs> there's not much else to do. And, um, and I figured since I knew I was going to missiles, I said, I figured I wanted, I, I didn't want to go to Minot, you know, and I didn't want to go to, you know, I know those places. I said, let me take the, the place that seems to be the most, the garden spot of all the bases. And Whiteman was the furthest one south. Um, and I actually, I actually put down Cheyenne yeah. uh, in Wyoming as my first choice and Whiteman was my second. And, you know, this is, you know, little advice here for people that are picking assignments is just like, you know, whatever you're, whatever you ask the Air Force you got to flip the script on them if you want to get what you want. So I should have, if I really wanted to go to Wyoming, I should have asked for Whiteman first and put White and Wyoming second. And then they would have just said, Oh yeah, well we can't give him his first choice. We'll give him a second choice, blah, blah, blah. So, um, so I went off to Whiteman and um, the, uh, the interesting part about Whiteman is that I was there again during a transition period, they were shutting down the missile wing. So we were, I actually had, um, the honor of shutting down Charlie capsule in the 508th missile squadron, actually just pulling the circuit breaker and that was it. And we did the shutdown procedure and, and that was it. We just put it to bed. <laughs> but I was also there for the arrival of the first B2, oh. which was crazy to see what, well, you know, just to see that kind of presentation and all the dignitaries and generals and everybody walking around there. Um, so, yeah. So being like, I, I want to say like I was a missileer, but, most of the times we were out there, it was really a caretaker that we were doing. Like we, the, the missiles weren't live. In fact, most of the times we'd go out there and the missiles were out of the ground already. You know, we were just waiting for them to demolish the, the silos. And then we would go ahead and, you know, and then we'd go ahead and close up another capsule and another capsule from there. So, um, but again, being persistent while I was there <laughs> every month on the 15th, I would call down to, uh, um, AFPC and I got to know the guy really well. And I said, Hey, I'm hearing rumors that nav training is opening up. I just want you to, you know, keep me in consideration. He was like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and it, as soon as it opened up, didn't even hit the papers yet. I get a phone call from him. He said, Hey, it's opening up. I got a slot for you. When, when do you want to go? I just like, when can you take me? And, and that was it. And it was down because they closed Mather. And right. so they, and, and, and they, and they needed to rebrand or they needed to consolidate. So they, they moved the navigator training to San Antonio to Randolph. Okay. So they needed time to set it up there. And once it was set up, then it's like, okay, now we can start taking, you know, now we can start taking people coming in. And um, yeah, so I was in Whiteman for two years and then I went down to Randolph for a year um, for navigator training. And then after that, I, uh, graduated, you know, and again, still hadn't cracked the code on studying. So I wasn't really in the top part of the class, but I was kind of like in the middle. And they had one RC-135 um, at Offit. And it just dumb luck. It just came down to me. And I just said, I'm going to take it. And I said, it sounded like it'd be pretty cool. And it was pretty cool. I did a lot of the, the six years that I was flying were really interesting. And uh, unfortunately, it's, you know, the drill, it's like, there's a lot of stories that, you know, a lot of cool stuff that happened and none of it that I can tell anybody yeah, about yeah, it, no. but 
don't don't go to um, jail yeah we don't want to go to jail for this <laughs> right no 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 we're not going to jail but it was just but it was really it, it was it was really it was really good um and then i did uh and i kind of had made up my mind that i was that i was going to get out um when my time was up my flight time was up so i didn't move from i didn't i didn't transfer off of the base i didn't go to any place else so i stayed at off it for my you know for the last 6 years and then um you know like i said then i got out of 2001 so I'm curious, so, uh, RC-135 is based at Offit. Did you, did you get to deploy or live anywhere else? Did you, did you go off on? Oh yeah, no, that was, that was the thing. So we, so we were based at Offit, but we were, we would deploy overseas for like a month at a time and then we would come back. Okay. So I go to, so I would go to Okinawa for like a month and then I would come back for a month and then go to the desert for a month come back for a couple of months, then go to England, come back, then go to the desert. Come back. It seemed like every other rotation was going to the desert at that yeah. point. Did you, um, did you enjoy any of those places? The best place, the, the, I, I, I think that all the places that I went to um, had their own charm to it, so to speak. I mean, in England, uh, as a flyer, you go off base and you go into the pubs. It's just like, you know, they have such a, uh, you know, they, they have such a rich history and a, and a, a lot of respect and a, and a passion for aviation, especially military aviation over there, that it was really fun to go off base and, and, and talk with the locals and, and do that. Um, Okinawa was 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 a great place to go. A um, lot of good flying uh, out of there, a lot of good missions out of there. Uh, probably the be- <laughs> the best place to go was and occasionally we'd do it would be on uh would be to crete and oh, wow. we would go to yeah we would go to crete for like a couple of weeks um and then so we go to, so basically the deployment would go over to england we do we'd fly missions out of england for like about a week and then we would go over to crete and we'd fly some missions out of crete for a couple of weeks go back to england for a week and then we would come back to to omaha but when we were on Crete, it was just like, I mean, <clears throat> you know, it, it's you're, you're on an island in, in the Mediterranean and we had this, um, I don't know if they still have it, but basically we had this five-star hotel that was ours um, every time that we went there and it was out looking out over the Mediterranean. So it was just, there was just no way that you could possibly feel bad about it. Um, the only thing I could feel was guilty about it. And you know, as I told all my civilian friends, it was just like, you know, when they thanked me for my service, I said, well, thank you for paying your taxes, because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have all the experiences that I did. Um, but Crete was, yeah, Crete was definitely good. And then going over to Saudi was, was okay until they, um, until we moved out of Riyadh and they moved us into the middle of the desert. Then w- once we moved into the middle of the desert, I mean, it might as well have been you know, we might as well have been in the desert in Arizona because we didn't go off base. We didn't see anything. We were, you know, you're just on the base. We're living in tents. It was, uh, you know, it was just, that, that was probably the worst, probably the worst part there. Now I, I can't, I can't talk in, uh, cause I know some of my, my friends have stayed in about Afghanistan and everything like that. But, um, but yeah, I would definitely say that Crete and Okinawa were two of my favorite places to fly out of and, and you're talking to a guy who spent a lot of time on a uss boat in the middle of the io so oh geez okay <laughs> no no place for us to go <laughs> never mind forgot right i my apologies yes yeah. I, all right yeah. all right you, you could have a beer every night we couldn't even do that so <laughs> <laughs> that's this is this is true okay yep right i will i will take back my uh my groveling yes and my so, complaint okay so it's interesting <laughs> at nine years you made the 
a tough decision, I assume, to to leave and go into something else. Yeah, I did, and it was kind of it was kind of funny. Um, I um, so my so I and I, I have to I have to acknowledge it here. And I just the listeners. So my so my father passed away last September. Oh. Um, and he had been on dialysis for eighteen years, and um, and it's really kind of a long story. Really too long for this, but the the long story short is he really didn't want me to go to the academy. I know it sounds kind of funny, but he didn't want me to go, but he didn't tell me until basically like the last minute. So, um, but that didn't deter me. I still went anyway and I dealt with the consequences on it, but that was part of the reason that was driving me to get out is because I knew that he didn't like me being away so much. And so I wanted to, you know, be closer to him and I wanted to, you know, just kind of make, make that kind of amends. And, the, when we knew that he was, he only had a couple of weeks left to live. And so I basically just, it was like, okay, this is the time to have these conversations with, you know, him before, you know, before he leaves. Yeah. And so I looked at him and I said, you know, two questions. I said, dad, why didn't you want to want me to go? And he looked at me very, he goes, I didn't want you to go because I didn't want you to be away from me. I said, that was it. I said, there was no other ulterior motive. It's just, I just, you know, cared for you so much. I didn't want you to, to be, I didn't want you to be away from me. I said, okay, fine. And then he confessed to me because he asked me a question. He said, why did you get out after only nine years? Yeah. And I said, well, I got out because I thought you wanted me to, to, to come home and be around with you. And, and that's when he told me, he goes, when I told him the decision to get out, he looked at my off the phone. I didn't know this. And he looked at my mother and said, why is he getting out? He could stay in for 20 years. He could do this. And I was just like, so we got a good laugh about that. And we kind of, you know, it brought some closure to that. And I'm kind of glad that we did. Um, but it was, but it was kind of funny because I said, you know, I didn't want to be, I said, I, I wanted to get out because I wanted to start another career and I didn't want to be having to look for another job when I was 40 or 42 after 20 years. Yeah. Well, I got caught up in the great recession working for a finance company. So here I am 2009, I'm unemployed and I'm looking for a job and I'm about turning 40 and I'm just like, yeah, you really hustled the hell out of life on this one. Drew. <laughs> Hey, if it makes I mean, you feel any better, I got out of, off of off of the USS Midway on active duty in December of '81. Just to, time was up; time to go become a civilian, make all my money. Came back to a 11 percent unemployment rate, 18 percent mortgage uh, interest rates in 1982. Oh, God, I forgot that. I yes. 70, 70 rejection letters before I got into grad school, which because the GI Bill, I survived until uh, the market got better. Oh, geez. Okay. All right. So, so yeah, it, there, there is going to be crap coming your way, folks, whatever. whatever it doesn't, right. Exactly. It doesn't make a difference. And I always joke about it, even, even in my current job and all the other people that I've talked about is I always, I always look at them and, and, and this personality I have here takes over and in, into everything that I do. Um, and like right now it's just, it's a, you know, again, the turns of life and how they do, but right now I'm working in human resources for a law firm in New York city, which is really ironic when, I run into my Academy buddies and just like, you know, you work in human resources. That's literally <laughs> the rooster in charge of the hen house. Right. I said, I don't go there. I said, I needed the money. It was whatever it is, but I always look at, I look at the rest of the people in my group and I just say, just remember two words. Okay. What are the two words? You got to send the two words. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Dramatic pause. Right. The two <laughs> words are rigid <laughs> flexibility. These will yeah. be the, the keys to life. <laughs> the keys to life are, and then he goes silent, right? Yeah. The, 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 the two no words. Are, movie. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was going to say it's rigid flexibility is the key to success. <laughs> okay.
<laughs> and it's, it's it sounds so yogiism and everything like that, but it, it just I it's um I guess a, a better way of putting it would be uh, in my philosophy is life is about Plan B, yeah. because very rarely does Plan A ever work out. And as I found out in the private sector, and it's even in the, in the military too, is that you're being paid and trained to solve a problem at any given time. And, you know, all the, like all the times that I was flying, was, this is Android phone, but all the times I was flying, it's like you would do it. We do a whole day of mission planning and then we would uh, show up at base ops the next day. And it's like, you know, either the jet was, you know, delayed or the weather changed, everything like that. And you'd have to just replan everything on the fly or worse yet, you'd have to replan whatever you're doing in the middle in, in the air. And you didn't have the luxury of just saying, okay, can we just pull over to the side for a second here and just put yeah. the thing in auto hover? So, you know, you had to always be kind of, you know, just, just like you said, you had to be flexible and not let, you know, not let little setbacks. And it, it, it's, it, and, and that's, that's a relative term. I mean, you know, when, when it first hits you, like when I first had to go to the academic review board, I mean, I look back now as I was a little setback, but no, that was basically my life at that point. Um, but uh, I couldn't, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't have time to, to sit around. I had to go ahead and, and, and fix it and, and go through it and not panic. And that was probably another thing that I've realized through the years is just if, you know, if you panic, then you're going to lose. And I think um, that's one of the things that being an academy grad sets us apart or, or maybe trains us for, and that is the, uh, the ability to be resilient, un- unbelievable stress. Uh, yes. And also to have uh, uh, what the situational awareness is part of it, but that we don't all get that until without experience. But it's the ability to, to slow down the clock when things are flying around you. And that, that at least those of us that have survived, that seems to be uh, something that we picked up. And True. I think the Academy is really good at, in my case and probably your case, uh, maximizing our weaknesses. Yes. Yes. It's definitely going <laughs> to you're definitely going to be pushed to the limit if you haven't figured that out by now. And anybody that's coming into the class of 26, it's definitely, that's, you just got to get ready for that. Is that you, you, you pushed yourself already and you're the top of your class and, and you're, you're enjoying it and that's great and you should do it. But when you get there, you just got to realize that you are, you, you're part of your job and a big part of your job description is not only to get yelled at, but to screw up <laughs> and they're going to, I mean, I, I was I this I was one I, I, I probably like you and probably like most people. It's like, you know, I went through high school and I never got yelled at. I never got in trouble because that's not what you wanted to do. If you're trying to get into the academy, you want to try and be that shining star. And then all of a sudden you show up and it's just like, I can't even put my shoes on right without getting yelled at. It was just like <laughs> so the second the, the, I remember the second after the dinner, the second night I went over to the chapel because and that's. <laughs> Talk about finding religion. It was just like, you know, because because that was the one place they wouldn't yell at you for at least an hour. So I was just like I would go over there. And I remember I got I got into, I got into one of the pews and I just started bawling, crying. I was just like I, I felt like such a, a, a loser. I felt like I couldn't do anything right. And that was just, you know, it was one of those times where you dig where I dug deep and I said, all right. I'm going to get up tomorrow morning. I'm going to do everything that they asked me to do. I'm going to do I'm, we had an inspection. I said, I'm going to make sure everything is neat and ordered do the whole thing, you know, iron the creases in the bed and iron the underwear and, you know, all this stupid stuff that nobody gets unless you're <laughs> an academy guy. And the, and the upper class of the cadre came in and they're doing the inspection, couldn't find anything wrong, 
told me, he goes, pick up your left shoe. I said, <laughs> sorry, he goes, pick up your left. And so he picked up, I picked up my left shoe and he ran his white glove along, along my heel. Yeah. And he looked at me and he goes, what's all this dust here for? And I was like, <laughs> okay, now I get it. And from that point on, it was a lot easier for me to swallow. And, it, and, and, and I understood now how this was going out and that it wasn't personal that they were, you know, that they were trying to break, you know, that they were trying to like, I was doing something wrong is that they were really trying to break me down to build me up, which again is another oxymoron, but yeah, it's, um, I, I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying is that the academies do a lot better job of that than the others, than our civilian counterparts, I would say. Yeah. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for your story. This is really cool. I appreciate it, John. Thanks for reaching out to me. Mm-hmm.